It's CES this week, and our mobility team has all the latest auto technology, mobility, and policy updates from the in-person and virtual show floors. Since most of our eyes are on CES this week, our Shift Mobility podcast is taking over Daily Drive through Friday. Our hosts, Leslie Allen, mobility editor, and Pete Bigelow, senior mobility reporter, will be bringing you fresh interviews with a number of CES players all week. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to the Shift podcast. Just search Automotive News Shift wherever you get your podcasts. Now, over to Leslie and Pete. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Shift Podcast. I'm Pete Bigelow, your host. Hey, it's Leslie Allen. Welcome to the show. We are back with another special edition of the podcast. Uh, As you may know by now, we're doing daily shows during CES this week. Uh, Our guest today is Tal Schocklapper, CEO and co-founder of Voltaic, a battery intelligence startup. Uh, But first, Leslie, uh, obviously a lot of news out of CES this week. Uh, Perhaps none more at least today, uh, more important than what Stellantis uh, announced, uh, a deal with Amazon, perhaps chief among the big news? Yes, and uh, Stellantis is really uh, going all in on electrification. The first thing is they're going to be taking the Chrysler brand and making that an all-electric brand. They're going to be coming out with their first battery electric model by 2025. And the the, um, thought is to eliminate internal combustion engines by 2028. And yes, this is Chrysler we're talking about. So during CES, they're showing off a concept called the airflow. And I think they showed that before, but this is um, really sort of their debut, if you will, in the electrification world. The other uh, big news out of Chrysler, or I should say out of Stellantis, is that they secured Amazon as the first commercial customer for an electric ProMaster van. So this is uh, quite a change for Chrysler. You know, it's interesting to think about, Leslie, is that uh, Amazon obviously has a partnership with with Rivian. Uh, They have Zooks. They have the ProMaster now. Um, You know, they're involved in long-haul trucking and some of the autonomous startups there. Like, uh, maybe we need to follow up on this, but but Amazon may be the most important transportation company uh, that that's in our our mobility sphere. You know, I would really like to see some sort of statistics. I mean, because if you've taken a road trip anytime in the last, let's say, two or three years, you see Amazon truck after Amazon truck on the road, and I'm wondering just how big a part of our ecosystem they are right now. I mean, they're they're huge and they're Seems like doing nothing but growing. That's right. And I, you know, to even piggyback on that, I, I know that they added, I think, more than a dozen uh, aircraft to their fleet last year as well. So it's, it's across the transportation uh, realm that they, are, that they are growing and a major player, if not the major player. Well, I have to ask you something, Pete. On our last podcast, you teased a development in battery electric vehicles where something was going to achieve a very high range. Now the secret's out. Tell us. Sure. Um, 
there's a Michigan startup called Our Next Energy that, uh, that was testing one of its proof of concept batteries uh, on a recent road trip. And they, they retrofitted a Tesla Model S with their, their prototype and drove 752 miles without recharging. So uh, that is a, a big figure that's roughly double, you know, if we're going to ballpark what, what the average in the industry is out there today. Uh, at least among mainstream vehicles, that's, that's about double. And uh, this, this is early innings for them. Uh, it's just a prototype, uh, but, but promising and, and perhaps a, a landmark moment nonetheless. 752 miles. I mean, that is pretty awesome if, if it holds. You know, the fact that you can take a trip pretty much halfway, I want to say halfway across the country, but a good distance across the country without having to stop and recharge. That's, uh, that's pretty good. And our listeners might remember that we did have the CEO of Our Next Energy on the podcast last year, Mujibi Jaz. So um, maybe we need to get him back on at some point. Yes. Uh, at the very least, we need to uh, post the, the story along with the podcast. And uh, it's certainly a follow-up conversation here soon would be terrific. Um, but, but speaking of battery developments, uh, I'd love to introduce our next guest uh, on the podcast today, who is uh, Tal Schocklapper, the CEO of Voltaic, a, a battery intelligence firm that is not is not pursuing batteries themselves, but helping automakers and a lot of other companies like Amazon, uh, for one example, learn about their batteries uh, and, and keep track of their performance and and kind of provide an analytics layer that that is largely missing today. So uh, without further ado, uh, let's go to our conversation with Tal Schocklapper. Tal, welcome to the podcast and thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Pete. Great way to start the year. It is. Uh, and, you know, certainly at the beginning of 2022 here, if I can say that right uh, at this early juncture, uh, obviously a lot of talk, just like there was late last year about electric vehicles uh, you work in the EV space, generally speaking, or in the, the battery space more particular. Tell us about Voltaic for those who don't know. Awesome. Uh, so yeah, Voltaic is an enterprise battery intelligence company. Uh, we help organizations leverage data from battery systems to uh, inform good decisions around those systems so they could design them and get them to market quickly, so they could ensure they don't have uh, massive liability issues and fires and recalls and things of that nature, as well as support the uh, larger financial case around them, residual values and financing around the battery systems as well. Gotcha. Tom, the first time that we spoke, you told me something that has stuck with me uh, ever since. Uh, and I kind of want to kick this off uh, by you introducing this concept. Uh, you said that batteries are essentially unlike any other component in the vehicle, that they're more more like newborn babies and just another uh, piece of machinery. So, so can you explain why is a battery like a, a living, breathing human being? hundred uh, percent. Yeah. Batteries are unlike any other component are, you know, OEM communities have to dealt, deal with historically. Um, everything else is mechanical or semiconductor uh, batteries because there's electrochemistry happening them. They're extremely sensitive to exactly you know, how they're used, what environment they're in, exactly what materials, what their DNA was going into them, uh, each specific battery. And uh, that sensitivity and that path dependence on exactly, you know, how they got here in their life uh, really will impact uh, how they'll perform over time. And 
you know, that complexity and tied on top of that, this, you know, immature technology that's continuing to evolve as we speak here is uh, just creates a lot of complexity that organizations uh, are going to struggle to deal with as they make the transition to EVs. How are they dealing with that complexity now? Uh, most organizations pretty immaturely right now. They're, you know, relying on their, you know, sole source relationships with, you know, battery cell suppliers or tier ones. Um, you know, they're still struggling to understand the nuances of differences between individual battery cells. And, you know, on the, you know, smaller side, it's, you know, affecting things like the amount of range and what they're able to get out of an individual battery pack. Uh, but on the larger side, we're seeing the impacts with these massive recalls. You know, the OEMs are not able to identify, you know, bad cells or packs before uh, they go into EVs or before they have any of these safety issues. And uh, it's going to be a major, you know, hindrance to the expansion of the EV space uh, if OEMs don't get smarter quickly. All right. There's a lot to dig in uh, on, on everything you just said. Let me start with the, the aspect of, of sole source and how OEMs are essentially working with, typically right now with with a lone supplier of, of battery. Mm -hmm. That's that's something that I know Voltaic is kind of working to to change to help uh, OEMs be more agile as opposed to having to rely on a, a single supplier. Tell us about what you're working on. Sure, yeah, agile is really key here. Uh, it's the name of the game in a new industry that we're, that's moving very quickly here. Uh, the auto OEMs you know, had 100 years to get the combustion engine right. They have you know five to 10 years now to get EVs and batteries. Um, and so really what we focus on is helping the OEMs look at this data proactively and identify ongoing issues as quickly as they can so they could uh, remediate them and address them. Uh, we're also helping them try to expand their supply chains uh, by allowing them to qualify more battery suppliers faster, either utilizing their existing staff and efforts uh, or supplementing that with a new uh, battery index uh, product that we're releasing with a number of partners. Uh, that's actually going to give them insight into a whole range of commercially available battery cells that they can very quickly uh, integrate into their uh, products moving forward. That seems so important these days with just with supply chain issues for one that, uh, you know, if your batteries don't arrive uh, from overseas right now, you're kind of stuck for a while. So it seems like this would very much uh, solve a lot of issues for OEMs on, on multiple fronts. Yeah, and I think that's going to be one of the big stories in, you know, 2022 and the early 2020s here. Um, you know, the reality is, you know, with these large investments that everyone's talking about in battery supply chains and uh, battery, you know, partnerships, you know, it takes a long time to get a new battery factory up and running, even with, you know, LG and Panasonic. It took them, you know, five plus years to get their new factories up and running. And now we're talking about brand new suppliers, you know, different geographies for these systems and it's just going to take a lot of pe people time to ramp up new production and so uh, the OEMs who are able to source battery cells from a number of suppliers and integrate them into their vehicles are going to be the ones who are going to be able to capture market share moving forward. Tell us about the data that you're capturing, uh, you know, what metrics are you managing, how many, uh, how are some of your partners utilizing it today? Sure. Um, so the, the data is pretty diverse. Uh, we try to capture everything from cradle to grave about the batteries. So everything from what materials are going in to production parameters, uh, all the way to, you know, key performance metrics, uh, looking at the, you know, charge and discharge of the battery system over time. Um, 
And with each of those, uh, you know, charge and discharge cycles for these batteries, uh, we take all that data, put it into a common language so OEMs can do, you know, apples to apples analysis across all the different vendors and systems they have out there. Uh, and then more importantly, we're able to uh, up-level that data and extract over 80 different parameters for each uh, charge and discharge cycle for each of the batteries. And so you can go in and, you know, understand how that battery is being used. You could look at how it's aging and changing over time. So you could figure out, you know, is it going to be able to deliver that fast charge over time? Is it going to maintain its range? Uh, what is that value of that battery system over time? That's really interesting. It kind of, you know, to, to go back to the newborn baby analogy, you talk about nature versus nurture. So you're kind of getting both ends of how is this battery produced and made and what materials are inside of it and how it's actually been utilized in the real world. And you can compare and contrast how, how uh, they've survived various conditions. And that's exactly it. You need both of those just given the long time horizon that, uh, you know, it takes to see how batteries are performing. Uh, you know, you can't necessarily tell if a battery is good or bad on day one. Sometimes problems will only emerge, you know, a year or two when the batteries in someone's vehicle in their garage. Uh, and so really the only way to address these things proactively is to look at that data as these things are being manufactured to try to, you know, surface those things as soon as you can. And then uh, look at really closing the loop here moving forward uh, with that analytics. I mean, thinking of that battery parked in the garage or not, as the case may be, obviously <laughs> one of the big stories this year was uh, the recall of the Chevy Bolt because it mm -hmm. had, uh, you know, battery safety concerns and it turned into a multi-billion dollar problem for, for General Motors, for its supplier LG. Uh, is this the sort of problem or perhaps like the, the you know, poster child of the sort of thing that could be prevented using, uh, you know, analytics and, and data from Voltaic? At 100%. And what we've realized is the a lot of the industry still doesn't understand the implications of not understanding their batteries. And so we started doing these early uh, you know, maturity models on organizations, enterprise battery intelligence. And what we found is a lot of organizations don't have, you know, even access to the right quality data from their partners. Some of those partners aren't recording or storing that internally even. Uh, you need to you know, get a handle on this information and that insight as quickly as possible if you want to be able to uh, quickly transition to EVs without suffering, suffering some pretty dramatic uh, repercussions here, as we saw with uh, some of the OEMs and suppliers last year. Tom, can you give us a sense, and I, I don't know if you have um, some public partners or, or some that you can't name, but who, who are you working with these days? Uh, so publicly, uh, we could disclose a uh, whole range of consumer electronics companies. Uh, so Microsoft, Google, Amazon are all customers uh, for their consumer products. Uh, we also work with Mercedes-Benz, uh, Proterra, uh, and a couple of the transportation companies uh, we could disclose publicly. And then uh, we do a whole range of work across the supply chain. So a whole range of leading uh, material startups with next generation batteries from uh, Lightens to Dynamics, uh, Sela Nanotechnologies, all the way down to mine owners like Albemarle, uh, who are making lithium for these battery systems. Gotcha. So you're not just automotive battery focused, you're uh, any battery focused. Yeah, it's uh, a common problem uh, across the space. Uh, EVs are just one of the more uh, complex battery challenges with the number of batteries going in a single system and the, the long warranties and expected life. 
so that kind of we just covered your external uh, activity lately. I know you have some internal activity too. Uh, you new executives starting at Voltaic. Uh, what uh, what's behind some of those changes? Yeah, really excited to bring on Martin Thal. Uh, he's coming on as our president and chief operating officer. Um, you know, I'm a you know engineer by trade and you know figured out this uh, the business and launching it. And I think I have a great role. You know, really working with partners and evangelizing the solution. And uh, it's time to bring on someone who knows uh, how to operate businesses internally. And um, so it's going to be a great partnership uh, bringing him on board uh, to really you know maximize leverage uh, moving forward here as we expand the space. It's really interesting. I'm trying to think of some other examples because I know there's many, but where you see the the founder kind of uh, want to continue focusing on the technology itself, not so much the business development. I guess I'm thinking of uh, Kyle Vaught uh, from Cruise, who was the, yep. the CEO, then became the CTO, uh, and now is at least in, back to his interim role uh, before. But I'd be curious just to ask you about that. What what is that process like for you? And uh, you know, do you have to pick a path to to follow the the technology or the business development or or can someone kind of do both? So I think one of the key things we saw in the EV space in particular is that um, just a lack of understanding around you know batteries and the complexity around them, and uh, just really the need to you know create this understanding and market around you know what we consider enterprise battery intelligence and that evangelism and that time and effort to educate the industry takes a lot of time. And we started a medium publication, Batteries Are Complicated, uh, a few months back that's been uh, read by a whole range of execs at our customers and you know, seeing also prospects that we're working with and just leaning into that, you know, educating the market and helping them understand you know, why this is needed, why now, why do you need to be agile? Um, and I think just, as a case in point, you look at companies like Tesla and Apple who built these you know, massive battery teams and are able to very quickly iterate um, their products. You know, they're winning market share you know, much, much faster than anyone else. And we want to help bring that to the rest of the industry right now. And uh, you know, I think from my perspective, uh, you know, having someone to partner with to help support the internal business operations uh, would give me more leverage to spend time externally uh, really educating the industry and uh, helping uh, expand the market and uh, accelerate the push to EVs uh, in a bigger way. So you've seen this EV push coming for a long time. I feel like it's all we've talked about seeing the uh, you know third quarter sales figures, fourth quarter sales figures, and it's it's obviously really hot right now. But you founded this company in in 2012, I think. Uh, what did you see back then, and and were there times along the way where you were wondering if if we'd kind of get to this? this inflection point. Yeah, that's exactly right. I was just uh, commenting to my wife. We're walking around the neighborhood and there's two ID4s in the neighborhood now. There's a couple of e-trons, uh, various Teslas. It's just, uh, it, it's coming and it's coming quickly. It's awesome to finally see it there. Um, yeah, I think early on, uh, you know, we had this realization that, uh, you know, batteries were just, uh, going back to our earlier point, batteries are unlike any other component in our modern devices. And, the way you know OEMs and traditional battery developers were going about it with uh, physics and chemistry-based models of these systems, trying to predict how they'll perform over time, uh, wasn't going to cut it. And you know, really, that we needed this data infrastructure to be able to understand these batteries from uh, cradle to grave. Um, and so, 
you know, decided to start Voltaic uh, early on, you know, there's a lot of these questions on, you know, you know, there's lots of analytics tools. You can go find a generic platform and put this data in. And what we're seeing play out in practice is, um, you know, you really need a specific tool uh, that understands, you know, the battery systems and their inherent complexity to uh, really accelerate how you could, you know, push these new products out to market and decrease risk around them. I think one of the, you know, seminal things for me was, uh, you know, initial conversations with, you know, the Microsofts and Googles of the world. Uh, their first take was, you know, got some of the smartest software people uh, in the world on our teams. You know, we could do this internally. And, you know, lo and behold, a year or two later, you know, they're each customers and growing uh, with us. And just having that uh, ability to have a purpose-built tool for the space, especially just given the time, uh, the rapid pace of development in the battery industry. Uh, yes, you could build something, you know, it's probably not going to be very good because it's only developed for your specific silo. Um, you know, might as well leverage the best in class solution and really, uh, you know, drive the, you know, accelerate the path to market uh, for your battery products. Tal, if I remember correctly, you were working at the Department of Energy in some form or fashion when, when you kind of saw this problem uh, on the horizon. What, what did you see uh, in, you know, how did, how did you kind of take it from the idea while you were working at DOE to, to deciding to launch your own startup? Yep. So I actually have to thank the DOE for uh, the inception of two different startups. Uh, my first company was actually a fuel cell company. Uh, back about 15 years ago. And then the second one, I was uh, leading a large Department of Energy RPE project, uh, developing a new uh, grid scale battery. And, you know, it was actually the combination of those two efforts uh, with the fuel cell uh, company, we're actually able to take a technology from the lab and get it out there into field trials with customers. And there's just a tremendous amount of data uh, that we were collecting. We had, you know, religion around big data, like everyone else. And in practice, when it came down to doing anything with it, uh, it was a whole lot of Excel. It was writing custom MATLAB or Python code. And then fast forward a couple of years later, uh, when I was working on that grid scale battery project, the guy sitting next to me who was leading another uh, DOE project had a background in, in enterprise software and started to make very simple tools for our team to help them uh, leverage this data to make decisions faster. And you know, very quickly within, uh, you know, a couple of weeks, we you know, already had, you know, new patents around how to operate these batteries, just that ability to very quickly iterate and learn from those battery systems was really key. And we, we realized that was going to be needed in the entire industry. And, uh, and just to kind of drive that point home, the, the guy sitting next to you, I believe, became your co-founder. He is, yeah. He's our uh, CTO, Eli Leland. We're going to take a quick break from our conversation with Tal for a, a word from our sponsor. With the rapid growth of 5G, cloud connectivity, electric vehicles, advanced safety systems, and autonomous driving, the auto industry is undergoing a dramatic transformation. It's transitioning from a manufacturing industry to a technology industry in real time. Drivers now expect access to the same digital experiences they enjoy at home or in the office while in their vehicles, creating real challenges for automakers as they work to keep pace with technology, their competitors, and what drivers will likely demand from their cars in three to five years from now. With more than 20 years of industry experience, Qualcomm Technologies has an extensive product portfolio that is helping accelerate this digital transformation of automotive. 
They recently introduced the Snapdragon Digital Chassis, an integrated set of technology solutions for developing connected and intelligent vehicles engineered to be safer, customizable, immersive, and continually upgradable. Their Snapdragon Digital Chassis includes cloud-connected platforms for telematics and connectivity, digital cockpit, driver assistance, and autonomy. But it's so much more than hardware. The Snapdragon Digital Chassis is scalable and modular, featuring open hardware and software architectures that allow automakers to reduce development cycles, shorten time to market, and offer differentiated digital experiences across a wide range of vehicle tiers. And this is important because as more vehicles tend toward electrification and the increasing use of digital technologies in their architectures, they are shaping the future of transportation. A future with vehicles that are connected to the cloud nearly 100% of the time and continually sensing and processing information from their surroundings. With fast, reliable connectivity, robust processing power, and flexible hardware and software, the Snapdragon Digital Chassis is helping empower automakers to redefine the future of mobility and transportation. To learn more about the Snapdragon Digital Chassis, visit qualcom.com automotive today. And now back to my conversation with Tal Schocklapper of Voltaic. Todd, tell me about what 2022 looks like for you at this point. Uh, you know, what are some of the benchmarks on your horizon? How do you kind of see this EV influx uh, playing out? Yeah, I think for us, it's, you know, it is go time right now. You know, the people are finally putting their money where their mouth is in terms of getting these EVs out to market. It's no longer just compliance vehicles uh, like it was a couple of years ago. These are mainstream efforts, full-on electrification. Companies are putting you know, flags down when they'll be fully electrified. And uh, for us, it's really about supporting that industry and uh, that path to full electrification as quickly as possible and making sure there's as few missteps as, as we can. So uh, it's about you know, working with new customers, expanding our relationships, really uh, growing our footprint, uh, both domestically and uh, internationally in Europe and in uh, Japan and Korea. So to that point, there's a lot of companies out there that are now entrants in the EV market. A lot of startups competing with traditional automotive manufacturers. Uh, what's going to separate the winners from from losers, generally speaking? Uh, you know, if, if we look ahead 10, 15 years. Yeah. So I think it's you know being proven out by you know Tesla and Apple. You know, whoever could iterate and be more agile and move quickly. Um, you know, you have to, because of the complexity and the long time horizons to understand batteries, you need to be able to, you know, actively look at the data from battery systems and move quickly to pivot, change how you operate them through over there updates, uh, evaluate the residual values to pivot to add new suppliers, you know, you need to be able to move in an agile fashion and very quickly, uh, you know, beef up your supply chains and, you know, understand these batteries as you put them into vehicles. Great. You know, th there are going to be winners and losers that that's that, that much is clear. And I don't think uh, with the market share, you see Tesla eating up very quickly here and some of the new entrants, uh, everyone's at risk. And, you know, the people who move faster are going to win. Let me ask you a question that it's not about batteries specifically, but sort of adjacent to, to EVs. Well, I guess it is about batteries specifically, mm -hmm. but 
an adjacent business model. Uh, do you see uh, particularly some of the, there's Asian companies who are kind of experimenting with the idea of swappable batteries. Um, do you see that as something that has, um, has legs for the future? Can that move to different parts of the world? Um, is, that, is that how we'll get around this kind of range problem? I, th I think there's a place for swappable batteries. Um, you know, I think the Gobero scooter model uh, makes perfect sense. Uh, with commercial fleets, you could also see doing that at uh, depots. I think setting up the, the infrastructure very broadly is going to be complicated. Um, so I don't think it's going to be the, the dominant uh, technology moving forward. I think you're going to have a single battery in each vehicle for most applications. Um, just because also if you, if you own this traditional vehicle ownership model and your residual value tied to that battery uh, is, I think, going to hold things back uh, in a lot of ways. It's also potentially over-engineering the battery uh, if you're uh, adding that ability to be able to swap it out. Uh, especially with you're looking now at the push to decrease the cost of EVs and battery packs where you're trying to integrate the battery, you know, cell to pack or directly into the vehicle's chassis. Um, so you have two competing forces, the range anxiety issue, which, you know, most people in reality are only driving 10 to 20 hours uh, each day, um, combined with, you know, ultimately people want a relatively, you know, low cost vehicle. And so the, the cell to pack and cell to vehicle um, I think is really going to you know, limit uh, the potential of swappable batteries uh, within the broader market. All right. Good, good thoughts. Good thoughts. Uh, easy last question for you. If, uh, if our listeners want to get in touch, how, how can they find you? How should they best reach out? Uh, sure. Um, you know, our website is uh, voltaic.com, V-O-L-T-A-I-Q. Uh, easy way to remember that. Alessandro Volta created the battery. We're helping it make it smart, IQ. Uh, so voltaic.com uh, uh, or email us at info at voltaic.com. Always happy to chat and find new partners uh, moving forward here. So Great. Well, Tal, thank you so much for uh, joining us on the podcast today and making the time. Thank you, Pete. Thank you, Tal, once again. Great conversation, Pete. It, it was really enjoyable, Leslie. I feel like I learned a lot. Uh, and, and, you know, I'm learning a lot this whole week during CES with the news coming at us fast and furious. Still to come at CES this week, we have big news from General Motors, Mary Barr's keynote address. Uh, Thursday is Pete Buttigieg, and Friday is the Indy Autonomous Challenge. So, so we're, we're maybe at the halfway point, Leslie, but, but a lot still to come. We'll be back with another podcast tomorrow. Uh, thank you so much to our producer, Josh Freed. And uh, thank you to our listeners for, for tuning in. Uh, join us again tomorrow.
Thanks again to Tom for joining us. Leslie, I got a lot of insight out of that uh, conversation. A lot of things to follow up on and keep track of through through 2022. Uh, you know, we start to see that crystal ball picture uh, coming, becoming a little clearer these days. That's terrific, Pete. Good interview. And thanks, everybody, for joining us. We hope you will continue to join us this week for our special podcast during CES. So we'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>